Join us. We're hitting the bridge. Exploring German language and culture. Let's take a deep dive into German mentality, uncovering hidden treasures, and demystifying German pop culture. What we're gonna do right here is go back. Fellow explorers, the dark time of the year has come. Things are getting cozy again. We're staying in more, doing more home-based things like drinking glühwein or decorating our houses with Christmas lights, eating gingerbread and of course it's time to enjoy some movies with your loved ones. Which kind of brings me to the topic of today's episode. We're going to be speaking about a hidden German treasure that seems to be kept a real secret for some reason. So stay tuned for that. First of all, I want to give a major shout out to everybody who sent in some voice messages. I asked you guys about your opinions. They will be included during the episode. So a big thank you to everybody who sent in their opinions and experiences. And as always, you will find all the information and mentions in the show notes. So speaking of our favorite people, I've got a guest on today who happens to be my partner in life. Welcome, Harold. Thank you. He was volunteering for this episode, so I'm so happy you're on. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. To be honest, we're recovering from a Halloween party yesterday we went to. How was that? It was great. <laughs> yeah. It was a great time at the Halloween party. We had great drinks, played wild music, met great people, lots of Americans over there. So it was a real experience for me as a German girl. Why don't you tell us some things about yourself? I'm sure our listeners will want to know some things about you. Uh, well, I grew up in New York, uh, about an hour north of New York City. I first moved to Germany in 2011, lived in Stuttgart then, I left Stuttgart, lived in some other places around the world back in the US and I moved back to Germany about two and a half years ago uh, where I'm currently working. There's a chance we will be hearing more about you and getting more information on your background story in the future. For now, I just want to focus on a couple of things like what is the level of your German skills right now? Uh, it's yeah. pretty close to zero. <laughs> uh, I studied German when I first moved here back in 2011. The experience certainly helped me understand the culture and I know all of my restaurant menu words. <laughs> you do? It's extremely helpful. <laughs> uh, and other than that, my German skills are pretty much non-existent. You sometimes have confusing moments still? Of course, yeah. Every day something confusing happens. Uh, everything from dealing with my German bank account to just everyday life. Dealing with the cable company, the German gym, uh, picking my clothes up at the laundry, shopping, getting my hair cut. Uh, fortunately, although I haven't learned German, I've learned to get by without speaking German. Which is also a skill. It's a skill. It's probably counterproductive to my learning of German. <laughs> well, maybe being with a German girl... Could <laughs> hopefully help. <laughs> <laughs> do you think you have a basic understanding of the German culture? Uh, I do feel over the last decade that I have, you know, just meeting German friends and living here and, you know, going through daily life, you know, surrounded by Germans in a German town uh, certainly has helped. Mm -hmm. And it seems the more 
people you meet, the more you learn, the more you learn, the more people you meet, the more experiences you understand and, you know, really begin to understand the reasoning behind a lot of the uh, German stereotypes that we hear about in America. Yeah, I mean, clearly without learning the language, I'm missing a lot, but I, I say I'm fairly confident in my basic understanding of German culture. Yeah, and you do participate in a lot of German events and traditions as well. I try, I, I enjoy them very much. <laughs> <laughs> It's nice to hear. The topic for this episode is a rather specific one. It's voice acting and dubbing. And you might think, well, that doesn't sound very exciting at first glance. But that might change as we will be revealing a seemingly well-kept secret today. How relevant is dubbing and voice acting in Germany from what you witnessed? I guess it's a bit of an eye-opening experience. Uh, the first time I lived here, the cable package that I had had only German channels, so there were plenty of American shows that were dubbed into German. I, I really didn't realize that was so prevalent. And then, of course, making German friends, you hear what their feelings are and experiences about how much they like this particular American show, and then you find out they watch it in German and the experience is different. So yeah, I guess I didn't realize without living here, how much of a factor it is. Outside of the US or in general? Outside of the US, in Germany. Mm -hmm. You know, being American, you're not, you're not really exposed to it near as often as you do uh, in Europe. Mm -hmm. So you have a basic awareness of the German culture and debate around voice acting then? Uh, I do. I hear about it from my friends. I did not realize it was such a controversial topic. But yeah, I guess hearing German friends and colleagues talk about it, it's pretty clear that there are some feelings involved. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Interesting. I do also think that voice acting is like a hidden world that has a major relevance in Germany. It's everywhere. We sometimes just take it for granted and only if you speak to people, to foreign people, if you realize how special it actually is and how good the quality is. So we're going to speak about that today. Some interesting things that you might find helpful along your journey of learning German. We already mentioned every movie is basically dubbed in German. It is, uh, it's quite surprising. I didn't realize that. Yeah, so if we say almost all foreign language movies are dubbed, is it the same in the US? Uh, absolutely not. No, in the US you're more likely, if you're watching a foreign film, to see uh, subtitles. Mm -hmm. And yeah, in many other countries, as far as I heard, subtitles or voiceovers are more preferred for reasons of costs or out of respect for the other language and culture. But in Germany, there's a historical background to it. It just has become the norm. And even if you go to the cinemas, you would have to make a very clear decision on watching a movie in the original language. You would have to find a cinema specifically for that. Have you been to the cinema in Germany yet? I have not. As you said, uh, almost all movies are, are dubbed in German. And if I'm going to go see an original release of a movie, I just won't understand it. Yeah, which is also interesting because sometimes you wouldn't even recognize the movies by their titles, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> because Germans have that habit of changing English movie titles into really goofy ones. Yes. <laughs> yes, they're hilarious. And uh, I love having conversations with a friend and we're talking about a movie and they're talking about some movie of some crazy title and I'm like, I haven't seen it. I start describing the actors and the scenes and I'm like, wait a minute, you're talking about this movie. And they're like, what? We call it this in German. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then and the German title is always much more hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it is, usually. And the title is often much longer because they have a main title and then a subtitle as well. Yes, yeah, definitely <laughs> noticed that. Do you have some examples 
Uh, well, dodgeball. Definitely. <laughs> I'm not even sure I want to say what they refer to it in, in German as. <laughs> yeah, dodgeball. In German, it is called voll auf die Nüsse, which would be translated into straight in the balls. Straight in the balls, yes. <laughs> so why is that? I mean, we have an idea, I guess. Uh, well, I mean, I could only think that, you know, dodgeball is a sport that everybody knows about. In the U.S., a sport that kids play, the movie is about a bunch of adults playing a kid's game. You know, the title itself is already funny. Uh, perhaps Germans don't play dodgeball. I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah. Yeah, I've never heard of it. The average German won't have heard of it, I don't think. You can't make a cultural reference in a title. It will be complete nonsense to Germans then, right? So they changed it and made it quite literal. <laughs> What the game is not about, but also kind of about. <laughs> and another example would be the movie Die Hard in Germany is called Stirb Langsam. What exactly does that mean? That means die slowly. Die slowly. Do you think hmm. that's a German's way of saying that's the hardest way to die? It sounds very German. <laughs> <laughs> Although I don't think it captures the die hard, yeah. you know, kind of excitement that, uh, that we're trying to go for in the English title. Mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> it's less about boldness and more about a threatening situation, maybe. That's how it comes across to me. Yeah, and I guess another example would be uh, Airplane. Mm -hmm. The movie. In the US, the title is just Airplane. <laughs> And in German... Die unglaubliche Reise in einem verrückten Flugzeug. That is one of the craziest titles I've ever heard. The unbelievable journey in a crazy plane. Why? Why would they come up with that? Yeah, I don't know. It seems to uh, leave no surprise as to what's <laughs> going to happen in the movie. <laughs> It's basically a full description of the movie already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Quite literal. Very direct. Very German. Why exactly are we speaking about this topic today in case people are still wondering why is this so relevant to you? Why do you think it's so interesting? I guess the confrontation with dubbed media can be an interesting and also very cultural experience. Would you agree with that? Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. Do you think there are missed opportunities, reasons people should hear more about it? especially English-speaking people? Uh, yeah, I think it, it's probably a missed opportunity on, on multiple levels. I guess fairly obvious ones would be for English-speaking people that don't speak German are missing out on a lot of German films. You know, in other films produced in other languages that just haven't been dubbed over. So these movies will never be seen and enjoyed uh, by people that you know are either too young that they can't read fast or maybe they're old. Committing to watching a movie with subtitles is a commitment of energy. Uh, it's not something that's as relaxing as just laying on the couch or going to a movie theater. So That is very true, yeah. Yeah, I think that in that case it is a perhaps missed opportunity for many people that have shied away from watching some really good films just because of those reasons. And then the missed opportunity, I guess, would also be for English speakers, you know, native English speakers, Americans living in Germany to not understand the, you know, the conflict, the controversy behind dubbing and voiceovers. Mm -hmm. It certainly does speak to the understanding of one, how well many Germans do speak English, but also how many don't. And You know, when you consider the volume of American movies that are shown here in movie theaters in Germany, it kind of makes you think about how much American culture is prevalent here, that there has to be this industry, you know, mm -hmm. designed just to change American movies into a German language. Yes, 
Absolutely, and what I would add to that is for most Germans, they learn a lot about American culture through media, through the movies we watch. Especially if they're dubbed, they really help us understand or make references in our head. Because dubbing is not only about translating word by word, it's also about translating the culture, making it more accessible to other cultures, and I think that's a nice thing. I would totally embrace it if there were more producing countries, you know, showing their culture. <laughs> yeah, of course. So we will be speaking about our personal observations today. And my first question for you would be, did you grow up around dubbed media in any form? Or what relevance does dubbing and voice acting have in the US? Uh, well, yeah, of course, uh, cartoons. Mm -hmm. uh, watching cartoons as a child or as an adult is a great example. I mean, of course, they're all dubbed. Uh, so in that, in that realm, yeah, there's definitely a voice acting industry in the US for that. But a lot of Americans think of things that are dubbed, uh, it's almost a comedic response, you know? It's usually mm -hmm. like something we're gonna joke about now because, you know, we're used to uh, watching perhaps like an R-rated movie that's been changed to put on normal network television. You're going to see how the curse words have been dubbed out. That is so interesting to me. I really didn't know that. Yeah, and it's quite entertaining because if you've watched the movie and you see the actor's lips and you're preparing for this statement <laughs> and then you see some other mild insult mm -hmm. <laughs> while the actor's angry face and lips move clearly <laughs> in the form of a curse word. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's quite humorous. It's funny. And then, of course, you know, Jackie Chan movies are, are yeah. just funny to see. Like, those are the movies that have been dubbed in the US, and that just kind of adds to the comedy. Yeah, I mean, Asian cinema, even if you speak about anime series, it has stormed the screens worldwide. It is an absolute phenomenon. Just think what we would have missed if these wouldn't have been dubbed. So I think we should give a quick definition on what dubbing actually means. Because for some Germans, what I notice is it's so normal to them, they never question it. It's just the way movies are. They are in German. You'll find any movie in German, basically. And they're not necessarily aware of the work that goes into it and what exactly the process of dubbing is, because it feels like a finished product. A definition I found was that dubbing means the subsequent replacement of all speaking parts with dialogues in another language that is tailored to the mouth movement and gestures of the original actors. So the result would be a dubbed version that has been made accessible to another language area and culture. And that's what we mentioned before. It's not just about translating the language, it is also about translating the culture. Yeah, sure. Like not just words, but entire phrases and meanings. And characters. And characters as well, yeah. Mm -hmm. It really is quite more complicated when you start getting into the, the subject. Mm -hmm. We'll be looking at the changes that can come with that in a bit. So have you wondered why it is so relevant in Germany, dubbing and voice acting in general? in comparison to other countries and cultures. I guess I didn't realize how big of an industry you know, shows, TV shows and movies were dubbed into English in Germany uh, the first time I, I lived here, when I first moved here. And that was a bit surprising to me. And then also surprising is when uh, I moved to Italy and lived there and also traveled around Europe for work. And you know, these other countries definitely don't have such a voiceover industry. So, mm -hmm. you know, I know in the case of like Slovenia or some of the Nordic countries, they specifically go out of their way to broadcast American and English programming in English, almost as a uh, motivation for people to learn 
learn English. Yes, yes.、Um, so, yeah, I guess I have often wondered why it's such a big industry in Germany.、Mm-hmm. I c a n only make an assumption, you know, and perhaps it just speaks to the German culture itself. It seems that Germans all do speak pretty good English. In general, Germans are very educated, you learn English very well, and it seems like something that a German would do. You'd go out of your way to translate a movie.、Mm-hmm. It has been established. For good reasons, but by now it's not a necessity anymore. For younger people, they speak really good English, but still it is maintained. Of course, you see subtitle shows as well, and it is very helpful to learn the English language as well, of course.、But、still, for older people or super young people, kids, they just expect their favorite shows to be available in their own native language, and I think the main reason really is that. English is not spoken by everybody in Germany still. That would make sense. And I'm sure it must be a little bit easier and more relaxing if to just hear a movie in your own language. Have you personally watched movies or series dubbed in German yet? And which ones?、Uh, <laughs> well, yes, I have. Not, not necessarily by choice because I don't speak German.、Mm-hmm. But when I first moved to Germany, my cable package、uh, was German.、Mm-hmm. So I got German television channels. There w a s American shows, which I would be excited about watching.、Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, they were all dubbed into German. So <laughs> shows that I had seen already Friends was one, Two and a Half Men was one. And then some of these episodes I had actually already seen. So you know, I knew what was going on. The experience. Is enjoyable. You know, it's kind of funny. It is also funny and entertaining just to hear the voices that they've paired <laughs> with,、yes. uh, with these particular、uh, actors. Oh, absolutely. We're going to speak about that in a minute. Right now, I would love to take a look at the background of the German movie scene a bit because I think that helps us understand why dubbing has become such an integral part of movie making. You know, following the Second World War,、uh, there probably was not much of a German film industry still existing at that time because most of the people that worked in that industry left Germany. And perhaps most Germans were more focused on rebuilding the country. So many up and coming German directors fled to the US, having a major influence on American film as a result during and after World War II. I think that's one of the major changes that happened. So the American film industry. Had a major advantage also in development. The US had a very strong industry. Hollywood was booming back then.、Uh, they were cranking out movies, sending them over to Germany, and it would be perhaps much more efficient to dub movies to be watched in theaters, vice、yes. to make their own. In the period after the Second World War, the German speaking film market increasingly opened up to foreign films. Several dubbing studios were founded within a short period of time to compensate for the rudimentary foreign language skills in the population. And, of course, to develop the market better. The viewer count increased with the new population's access to Western movies. The movies produced in the United States were the most popular, due to the fact that the market was dominated by them and the production was more advanced than Germany's. So, since the 2000s, the German film industry has seen a general resurgence with a higher output and improved returns at the German box office. But since the golden age in the 20s, the German film Industry 
has never regained the technical excellence, the star appeal or the popular narrative suitable for German, European or global audience. Yeah, perhaps the dubbing industry has led to that. Oh, that's an interesting thought. You think it has hindered the I, movie industry from recovering? I think it perhaps has. Uh, you know, movie making is profit driven. And if you have a system of voice actors and dubbing that already generates German speaking movies for movie theaters, there would be no need to produce German movies. Mm -hmm. So I guess in that regard, yeah, maybe it has hindered the German film industry. That's very interesting. So there's a clear focus on English speaking movies still. I think that gives us some insights. So we've already established that the industry for dubbing in Germany is quite immense compared to other countries, but still there are areas where voice actors are needed all over the world in general. Just think of advertisement, the commercial CC, the ads and jingles, sound logos, video games that need dubbing or cartoons and animes as you mentioned. Movies of course, but also documentaries or audiobooks. I guess, you know, thinking about it, the industry probably is a lot bigger than most people understand. Mm -hmm. What I found is that in English speaking countries, radio hosts take on a different role. They yeah. are oftentimes celebrated as celebrities, radio presenters like Nick Grimshaw, Grimmy for the BBC, or Howard Stern. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, Howard Stern is definitely a household name that everybody knows as a, as a radio personality. And very recognizable only by his voice. Yes, well, I mean, now, of course, people know what he looks like, but yeah, for years and years, you know, you heard the name Howard Stern with uh, absolutely no imagination of what the man actually looked like. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a good comparison because that's what things are like for many Germans. We have these voices we hear constantly on the radio, on TV, everywhere basically, but nobody really knows who these people are, what they look like. We just recognize these voices instantly. And you know the names of these people. Yeah. Like yeah. their real names. Yeah. The name of the voice actor. Yes. <laughs> without but, any without any recollection of or knowledge of what they look like. Yes, absolutely. Really, if you're driving in a car and there comes on a commercial and there's a specific voice, like the other day it happened to us and I was like, oh, see, that's Bruce Willis. And you're like, what? What is she talking about? <laughs> it's like, that's not Bruce Willis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but every German will immediately no, oh, that's Bruce Willis. And you, know, and you know that actor's name? Manfred Lehmann. Ah! <laughs> Does he look like Bruce Willis? Not at all. I mean, he's also in a very different age, I would say. Yeah? That is actually a good example because in Germany, they usually choose the same voice actors for the same actors to ensure some recognition value as well in Germany. And that's what I really love about it. I find that very interesting. I mean, it just, of course it makes sense, but uh, that certainly would enable that particular voice actor to drive a pretty hard bargain if they want to continue to use them to replicate other actors' voices. And also it takes a lot of effort to really find a matching voice that you want to keep for in the next 30 years plus and that really appeals to the audience and that is accepted by the audience. It's a double-edged sword. <laughs> I guess if you, you, you finish your first movie successfully, that means you're, uh, you're guaranteed a job for life. Yeah, there just are some voices that every German knows they are very distinct recognizable and also enjoyable in a way which I find a funny mix as well because it doesn't always go together 
So what I know from people who work in the industry is that there are actual educational programs for voice actors. They get a proper training. It's not just about pronunciation and speed and all that kind of stuff that singers often do as well. It's really about understanding the whole concept of translating a movie culture-wise and language-wise. Yeah, it seems it would be essentially like reacting the movie. It is. Yeah, that's. I guess that's why it's also called voice acting. They're doing an amazing job, in my opinion, anyways. You always see new talents popping up everywhere. So the industry is really scouting new people, looking for new voices, really like who's got the voice, you know, in, yeah. in an actual sense. <laughs> <laughs> I asked you guys, is there a German voice you really enjoy hearing in movies, commercials, cartoons? <laughs> That's actually a pretty interesting question. If I would have to name a voice that I really like, I think it's the one of Keanu Reeves. And that's probably because he's one of my favorite actors. I also think they, they chose a really fitting voice. Although his original voice is a lot deeper. But I don't know, this voice just has something soothing. And I really enjoy listening to it. I don't necessarily have a favorite voice from a German actor, but I certainly have voices I recognize in several movies or TV shows. I love Gilmore Girls and it was also one of the TV shows I began watching in German. The voices really stuck in my head, I think, because, for example, the German voice of Luke Danes I find again in many other movies and TV shows. So basically, whenever I watch another movie or show, I will find his voice voice again. The actor also is also doing voiceovers in German for Hugh Jackman and I also like his movies a lot and I don't even know the name of the German actor who plays um, or who, who's doing the voiceovers but it's I, I just recognize the voice. I think I'm, I'm like many other people who like the usual ones that are quite popular like Bruce Willis and yes Johnny Depp or Angelina Jolie but I mostly like Sarah Jessica Parker. I liked her voice very much and I was quite used to that. And of course, the um, voice of Spongebob, it's just fabulous and quite distinct and special. I think it's even better than uh, the English voice. I would love to give you my personal favorites. These are voices such as everybody knows. And the first one would be Angelina Jolie, played by Claudia Urbschad Minguez. Aber ja, natürlich, Philip. Ich erinnere mich. Roderick hatte sie gern. Ja, sehr, sehr gern. Die fröhlichen Tage liegen für uns lange zurück. Unendlich lange. Zeit hat eine andere Bedeutung in diesem Haus. And Johnny Depp is also very very popular one i personally really love his german voice he's played by david nathan viele der geschichten die wir bereits vernommen haben waren zweifellos höchst erstaunlich damit zu konkurrieren wird nicht leicht für mich allerdings fehlte den episoden meiner vorredner stets eine sehr wesentliche zutat oh die wäre Marquis. wahrheit Emma Watson would be another good example. She is played by Gabriele Petermann. Du tauchst hier auf nach Wochen und sagst, hey, wo ist mein Zauberstab, Harry? Wo ist mein Zauberstab? Keine Ahnung. Harry Potter, gib mir meinen Zauberstab. Ich hab ihn nicht. Warum hat er deinen Zauberstab? Das braucht dich überhaupt nicht zu kümmern. 
So Leonardo DiCaprio would be another fan's favorite. He is played by Gerrit Schmidt-Foss. Oh yeah, ma'am, so is this. Ich meine, ich habe alles, was ich benötige bei mir. Ich habe Luft in meinen Lungen und ein Palerablatt Papier. Ich finde es schön, morgens aufzuwachen, ohne zu wissen, was passiert. So Elijah Wood is played by Timo Niesner. Aber ich müsste den Salon doch wiedererkennen. Ha, der Apfelbaum, damit kann ich es beweisen. Vor dem Fenster stand ein großer Apfelbaum. Seine Zweige reichten beinahe in den Raum hinein. Man, man konnte von einem dieser Zweige sogar in das Fenster klettern. Ich war zwölf Jahre alt, als ich meine Sachen packte und auf diesem Weg das Haus verließ, um auf den Ozeanen der Welt mein Glück zu suchen. And lastly, Colin Farrell is played by Marcus Pfeiffer. Einen Augenblick noch. Ich möchte dir gerne jemanden vorstellen. Hier. Oh, oh. Sag Hallo zu Onkel Richard, Mr. Bagels. Ein zahmer Mungo. Ja. Und bei mir zu Hause der beste Schlangenjäger weit und breit. As you already mentioned, maybe the industry is bigger than people think in general. What do you think the work of a voice actor looks like? You know, as a child, you see those documentaries about adding voices to Disney films. Yes. So I can imagine, you know, there's not just the people acting and using their voice, but also the people adding sound effects as well. Yes. You know, adding emotions, maybe even the people involved in the physical translating. What do you think? Well, that's exactly my point as well. I always say it's acting plus in my books because you only have your voice to portray certain emotions your body isn't seen your facial expressions won't be seen so it has to be in your voice only it takes a strong voice yeah of course i mean i guess that would make sense you know the person that's doing the acting is already the original actor so you kind of don't have the advantage of doing both the speaking and the acting at the same time you might perhaps be even more difficult to you know do voice acting to pair with physical acting that's already been done mm -hmm. probably you know could involve difficulties that we don't even think about. When you watch the synced movie, you must have noticed immediately that the lips are not in sync with the spoken language. Yes, of course. How did that feel to you? Uh, it feels a bit artificial. Uh -huh. um, you know, like I said, we don't see that very often, except in, you know, I can think of Jackie Chan movies, which is great because those movies are comedies anyway, and that just adds to it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and as a child, it's also a little bit frustrating, you know, when you're like, oh, this is a dub movie. It does, it happens, it's yeah. rare, but it does. And I often find that after about 15, 20 minutes, I forget that the lips aren't matching yes. the words. And it just seems a lot more normal. That is very true. For me growing up, I never really realized it until it was pointed out to me. It's just a matter of habit, really. When I look at voice actors nowadays, I feel like they're doing an amazing job speaking in sync, making pauses at the right time, and speaking the exact speed to stop the sentence at the right time. And of course, they don't know the text by heart, so they're still reading it out, but it does sound very engaging still. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, maybe almost even a little artificial at times. That's true. Almost too clean and perfect. What I would also like to point out is that every area in Germany has a strong dialect, basically. And we have a standard kind of German, the high German or standard German, which is not necessarily spoken by everybody, but understood by everyone. So of course these voice actors use standard German and they really have to 
take care of their pronunciation and usually it takes a lot of training to get rid of an accent and dialect and for me as a German it is very enjoyable to listen to them speaking German. Do you notice differences there? Yes and no. I mean I, I've lived here long enough to pick up on different accents. Uh, I can't place them very well, but I do find that when I listen to like German voiceovers, they sound very much like U.S. newscasters. Uh -huh. you know, there's obviously different accents from all over the U.S., but it seems like every time you turn on the news, there's someone speaking what I consider <laughs> normal American English, and it seems that uh, German voiceovers are the same way. Yeah. Absolutely. And as we mentioned before, a voice actor does not only have to represent the culture of the movie, but also the culture of the target audience in a way. So there's specific behavior or slang or choice of words that would be made differently in other places and they have to be fully aware of that. I do find that very interesting also. It seems it's possible to actually change the flavor of the movie almost a little bit just based on the dialogue, which might Might not be perhaps a word-for-word -word translation. Perhaps it changes sentences a little bit in a way that changes the theme Absolutely. of certain aspects. Yes. So, Harold, you've traveled a lot in your life. Have you personally noticed big differences in the quality of voice acting in different countries? Oh, yes, absolutely. There's definitely some countries where you can clearly tell that the voiceovers are, are not really up to par. You know, it's probably not not that much of an effort. And you can tell when, when the dubbed voice seems to be speaking a lot less consistently than the original, you know, American or, or English form. Uh, you know, it's fact, even sometimes you can watch a movie that has been dubbed over in one language and then has subtitles, you know, back to English. And <laughs> yeah. you can clearly understand that this makes no sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If we think of some cartoon characters, for example, they're known for being quite characteristic and distinct. And there are a lot of character voices. And I would love to give you some examples of my favorite voice actors that have a strong and distinct voice that are instantly recognizable. One of them would be Beate Hasenau, who plays, for example, Ursula in The Little Mermaid. Man hat mich bestohlen. Ein Kamm und ein Handspiegel, wertvolle Erbstücke. Es ist unerhört. Gestern Nachmittag lagen sie noch hier auf meiner Kommode. Ich kann es beschwören. Bruce Willis, we mentioned before, he's played by Manfred Lehmann. His voice is considered to be a little controversial because people either love or hate it, it seems. There's not much middle ground. Und die Polizei geht davon aus, dass derselbe Täter wieder zugeschlagen hat, der die Stadt seit Wochen schon in Atem hält? Allerdings. Sorgen Sie sich nicht, junger Freund. Ich werde auf mich aufzupassen wissen. Gute Nacht. Gute Nacht. And you might have heard her as well. It's a Paris Hilton's voice or Ashley Spinelli from Recess. She's played by Anja Stadtlober. Weißt du, irgendwie ist das schon öde, dass wir uns jedes Jahr wiedergewählt wird. Das finde ich auch. Warum trittst du eigentlich nicht an? Du laberst doch die ganze Zeit davon, ein Schülerrat ins Leben zu rufen. Another cartoon character would be Detective Conan, which is an anime series. The main character's voice actor is Tobias Müller. Etwas anderes. Ist noch sehr viel merkwürdiger, Herr Inspektor. Ich bemerke Spuren von Feuchtigkeit um die Leiche herum. Und das Einzige, was in diesem sonst vollkommen verwüsteten Zimmer noch steht, ist der Stuhl dort. And lastly, Whoopi Goldberg has a very distinct voice. She's played by Regina Lemnitz. Peter Quint. Er kam als Kammerdiener des Herrn hierher. 
Nachdem der Herr zurück nach London übersiedelte, blieb er als sein Stellvertreter, ausgestattet mit allen Befugnissen. Und wieso wurde er mir noch nicht vorgestellt? Er ist tot! Well, from my observations, I would say there is a shift in generations when it comes to preferences around dubbed movies. Young people are learning English, they speak it on a great level, so they usually have the choice to watch an original language movie. That didn't always used to be the case. Well, I mean, that's interesting. Why do you think that there is a, a generational shift like this? Is that your opinion then, that as more people learn English, there's less of a need to have dubbed movies? Exactly. I do think so. And it's more of a choice, a stylistic choice than a necessity. Yet there still exists a voiceover industry. You know, all movies are still dubbed. I think it's nice to have the option. And there are lots of people, of course, who still don't speak a word of English or who have trouble. Relaxing and yes. listening to English. Yeah. It's a comfortable thing to have. I'm glad it is there. It's yeah. probably not going away anytime soon. No. So we already mentioned the changes through dubbing. There's a negative about it. Do you remember your first impressions? Were there any negative impressions? Uh, yeah, of course there's negative impressions. You can kind of tell that the original intent of the actor, or perhaps the screenwriter, or the producer, is a bit lost in the translation. Even in the tone, you know, in the way that the, uh, that the voice actor is portraying the scene, you know, without the direction of the original director, producer, and artist. Yeah, absolutely. The dubbing voice can deviate considerably from the original. We have dialogue changes as well. That is probably to confirm to the culture more. And as you mentioned, some jokes just are non-translatable. Just not funny. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, even everyday language, like English slang, it would be something like, yo man, what's up? And oh, you, great slang. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't hear that in Germany. You would no. change that a bit to match the audience. Yeah, and what would that sound like? For example, like, hey, na, wie läuft's? Which isn't necessarily young people's slang, yeah. but still casual. So it sounds like day-to-day -day language you would hear in the streets. So the culture is reflected, but it also changes some meaning in the original movie and maybe some things will get lost along the way, that's true. But I would also say, even if you see some dialogue changes, the quality of the movie could actually improve. There are a few examples of German dubbed movies that I can think of, for example, Bud Spencer. But it was an entire genre on its own and the writers for the movies were quite known and famous for their style. Just creating these dialogues, they stepped up the game, in my opinion. I, you know, I've heard that as well from other German friends of mine. That they'll tell me they uh, have been watching an American series that's been dubbed for quite a long time. You know, people that these are people that speak English fairly well, and then they went and watched the original, and they didn't find it as funny. Yeah. Uh, you know, or it didn't take away as much. They said they preferred the dubbed version. They liked the voice better. They liked the dialogue better. Yeah, it's and, interesting, uh, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there could be pros to dubbing also. One advantage could be that you can really deliberately choose a voice for an actor that matches him perfectly. It can change a character 
for the better or worse, you, you have a choice there. <laughs> well, I know? guess that's a controversial topic. That is, for sure. <laughs> What's better or worse? Telling an actor that someone else's voice is better than his and makes him better is <laughs> perhaps nothing the original actor would like to hear. Absolutely, you're right. Of course, original acting will always include a factor you can't reproduce, and it's just the authenticity and the purity of the moment and the human facet to it. You can't reproduce that. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, certainly the the sound quality and the voice quality can be improved. Uh, my personal opinion, though, is I kind of like hear the actor that's acting. I think that brings in a bit of a level of reality that I prefer over perfect studio sound. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. With some voices, I would also say that cultures might not be as familiar with them as other cultures. Like if you think of a stereotypical person at a specific job or, you know, just sure. a specific character, people in Asia would probably imagine a different voice. You can adapt to that as well and even change the tone of voice to make a reference to the culture. Oh, sure, absolutely. Yeah. No, in that way you're essentially, or I guess in some way, you're recreating almost a different movie. Yes. Using the same imagery, but adding new actors and dialogues. So perhaps even if you do stick true to form for most of the movie, you're changing it enough in a way that it's essentially a completely different version of the same story presented for another culture. It's probably a thin line there because you have to be careful to still respect the movie that was originally made, the culture of that movie. Or is the is perhaps that not entirely always the point of voiceovers? I can't think of an example where they changed a movie completely or drastically. So it always feels like they're respecting and sticking as close as possible to the original, but still making changes where it seems necessary sure. for the target audience. Yeah, absolutely. I think maybe that's another thing that we talked about, you know, the complexity of, of the whole voiceover industry. We're talking not about just actors and purely translators. We're also talking about directors mm -hmm. as well. Absolutely, yeah. So when you listen to a scene in German that you've seen in English before, what kind of feeling or impression do you get from that? It's a bit of a mix of feelings, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times it's it's surprising. You know, you're expecting to hear one voice and you hear another voice and you're like, ah, oh, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a bit surprised. It's usually a bit humorous. Irritating as well? It certainly can be irritating mm -hmm. <laughs> if you were looking forward to really watching something and then you hear just a completely the wrong voice. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes it's an annoying voice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's hilarious, <laughs> you know? Yeah, but do you think that is because you're not speaking the language the actor is speaking in? Oh, sure, of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just sometimes hearing <laughs> hearing something that you completely understand, which is essentially just sounds in an odd voice come out of a <laughs> known actor's mouth. Yes, that's, that's certainly a reason that I just don't understand what he's saying. And if you think about a very emotional scene, for example, where you would connect to the character in the English original. Do you have a different kind of emotion when you watch it in German? Absolutely. Then it becomes pure comedy. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't take them seriously? Oh no, not at all. No, there, there is... Uh, <laughs> it is almost hard to describe how funny, at least for me, I find it when I see a very serious, emotional, uh, you know, heart-wrenching movie and the wrong voice is coming out of the actor's mouth in a totally different, you know, language I can't even understand. It almost makes the whole scene look ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He might even have a very different tone of volume that's... 
Always, yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. And then what I heard from many English speakers is they say the German voice actors sound really old to them. They sound way older. Yeah, I think I would have to tend to agree with that. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, you know, perhaps it's just because they speak so clearly. Yeah. You know, and they seem to have deep, confident, maybe not always strong voices, but, you know, very clear voices the way that a professional would talk, which I yeah. think we equate with older people. But maybe it's also part of the culture then. For example, if you think of Spain and Germany, there will be a significant difference in everyday spoken language. Of course, yeah, no, that makes sense as well. But then again, it's also hard to pair the actor in the movie acting a certain way with this calm, older, mature type voice. Yes, mm -hmm. yeah, but to Germans, well, that's what my experience was like growing up. My father would often mention that these American movie characters seemed obnoxious to him because you wouldn't see certain behavior or words or hear words or sentences. You wouldn't hear them in Germany. Huh. And it felt so fake to us. Wow, that's interesting. So it's almost to make it more realistic, you've toned down the characters yes, and yeah. made them more... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, and that's how it feels natural to us. Sometimes when I watch the movie in the original language, when I look back the first time I did that, it was confusing for me. I Well, first of all, it felt like the voices were so far in the distance. It was all mixing up with the background noise and it was not as clear as in the German version that I was accustomed to. Yeah, no, well, that makes sense. When you hear a dubbed voice, a studio voice, it almost seems like it's too close are too loud. Yeah. You know, for me, I find compared to the background noise, the dub voice always seems a little bit loud. You know, mm -hmm. the voiceover seems a bit louder, clearer, and in that way, artificial. So I guess if you're completely accustomed to that, then I could understand you feeling the reverse yeah. and seeing an original. Yeah, if I think back, it felt like they were toning it down a bit. They were not using their voices as strongly, and I had a hard time understanding them at times, just because all the sounds mixed up so much. Sometimes I wouldn't even understand what these actors were doing in the original language because I didn't see that behavior where I was living or growing up. You wouldn't say things in a certain way. Even the body language was so different and that's always part of a foreign language movie, of course. We're not speaking only about voices here, it's the entire acting and the surrounding and the culture in the movie. But in the end, it helped me to feel more connected to what I saw on screen through voices that were chosen very deliberately. Out of your personal experience, do you see the German culture reflected in the way they dub movies over here? I guess for me that would be a difficult question because I really just don't speak German well enough. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to hear my German friends talk about how much they love a particular American movie and why, and I often wonder if perhaps they're missing, <laughs> <laughs> missing the point, or maybe we are watching different movies, which in some ways we are. <laughs> yes, true. Um, yeah. And then I can only hear the voices, which sometimes I can definitely tell the tone, just the way someone's voice is, you know, their tone, and it seems to me that it changes. In the end, maybe it's all a matter of habit and what we're used to. I wouldn't judge anything here and say it's better this way or worse that way. If you grow up around that, it's just a norm. Even if you see the original version after that, that's an unexpected change for you and it takes away from your experience that you had first where you had an emotional connection to a character maybe. 
So I asked you guys, do you prefer to watch original English movies or movies dubbed in German? I really only started watching original English movies when uh, Netflix became popular. From then on I watched every movie only in their original language and I watched some of the series again like Sex and the City or I don't know How I Met Your Mother or other series who I actually watched dubbed in German in the first place but then watched again in English original language. I must say I really really appreciate the synchronization in German but there's nothing like the English original and I think that lots of the jokes and little nuances are far better in the um, English movies but I really see how well chosen the voices are and how qualitative the German voice acting is. One exception is when there are Disney, Pixar or any animated movies shown in different synchronized versions where there are more or less comic and animated figures in it. In that case, I really, really like German versions. I think they're doing a great job. But you know, when there are actors in a movie using their own voice, I think it's so much more original and so much better to watch the English originals, to be honest. But there are probably a few exceptions also. I always prefer to watch original English movies because it's authentic and I hate it when lip movement and words aren't in sync. Nowadays I prefer watching movies or TV shows in English, but not necessarily because of the language alone, but I think mostly because I want to watch the original, because the voice is basically half of the actor's work. The voice is, is such a big aspect of the whole process and the whole acting as well. So I prefer to have the original voice with the original play acting. So sometimes I try to watch if something is produced in France. I have tried to watch it in French, but I'm not as accustomed to listening to French TV shows and to watching them as I am with English. And I also think um, watching TV shows and movies in English helped me a lot in my understanding of the language. I think it was through watching those things that I came to being able to understand English almost as well as I understand German. I don't have to translate stuff I hear in the TV shows in my head, but I understand it just instantly. And I'm really glad I got to this point through watching movies and TV shows. When I watch a movie for the first time, I prefer watching it in German. I want to fully understand the story and uh, relationships between the people. If I have a favorite movie or if I really love a movie, then I go back and watch it with the original sound. Just because I want to see if there are more nuances to the humor or to the conversations. Because something Things just sometimes get lost in translation and some especially jokes don't really work in German like they work in English. What I really enjoyed is watching movies in English where uh, one of the actors is talking or is speaking German. There are some movies where for example Leonardo DiCaprio is speaking German uh, because his grandma is from Germany so he has family in Germany and he grew up learning German so I think it's always really funny to listen to foreigners speak German. And also sometimes there are really, really awful adaptions of German language. So sometimes it can also be really funny to see um, an American or whatever try to speak German. <laughs>
Alright guys, we realized the festivities of the previous evening got the best of us. So we were taking a break and now we're back on refreshed with some lovely rhubarb shawla. How do you mm. like it? It's very good, actually. I think it would go down quite well mixed with a bit of Prosecco. It would. Or gin. <laughs> or gin as well. That would work. <laughs> to summarize what we talked about up to this point, what are actually our personal opinions on dubbing? Well, my opinion is that, of course, I would prefer to watch American movies in American English and British movies in British English and German movies in German if I was capable of understanding the German. Yeah. As an alternative, dubbing movie is, I guess, the best answer. And how about dubbing versus subtitles? What do you prefer? I would say, in general, I prefer subtitles. Uh-huh. Although, unless, of course, I'm, I'm tired and I just really want to relax and put on something, I think it would, that would have to depend on the type of program. You know, whether it's like a real classic movie, which I would prefer subtitles, or just uh, stupid television shows that I'm going to watch and relax, in that case, probably dubbing. Mm-hmm. I kind of agree. I prefer non-dubbed movies myself because I think my English is at the level where I understand basically everything or I can at least make sense of what is going on. But I'm still very, very appreciative of the dubbing culture we have and I think it's a very good thing to have. And I would still encourage you guys to give it a try to watch some dubbed movies in German to make use of that for your language learning journey or just in general if you're curious about German culture. I would suggest you to start with a movie you already know very well. It could even be an animated movie like a Disney movie where you're not distracted by mouth movements. It will certainly help you learn the German language and if you add the subtitles on top it will certainly help you to understand single words better and get used to the pronunciation of things. And it could also be very interesting to learn about the culture and societal norms. If you watch the same movie in different languages you might spot some core differences that are specific to a culture. And you might even identify some everyday truths that you observed yourself already when living in a specific country. And in general, I would say try to listen to these voices as unbiased as possible. You might know the real actor's voice that will always play into it. But it might be interesting to see what Germans consider to be a bold voice or a classy voice or a funny voice. It might be completely different from your culture. We are really curious to hear about your favorite dubbed movies. Do you have any suggestions where to start, which dubbed movie was fun to watch and was done very well? You might also get a chance to speak to professionals in the future about the topic, so I would love to hear your feedback on the topic. So, Harold. Now that we have such a huge industry of voice actors, how to make use of that potential? What do they do all day? Are they just busy dubbing movies all year round? Are there that many movies? I don't know. I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how would you? Because I think we're getting to the main topic of this podcast episode, which is the hidden treasure I was mentioning in the very beginning. I am so surprised that foreigners living in Germany are completely unaware of that hidden treasure. And for some reasons, Germans don't seem to mention it, although every German is familiar with it. It's a huge thing, it's a major thing, it's a major cultural thing. And the thing I'm talking about is radio plays. 
I've never heard of those. Well, you might have heard of radio plays in general, because obviously they existed in England and the US, likewise. Oh yes, of course. I guess traditional, before the invention of television. We see images of families sitting around the radio, listening to different programs and shows and radio plays, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in that regard, I didn't realize it was still a factor in today's society. Mm -hmm. Well, in Germany, radio plays have a major relevance, and I would even say they stand strong next to movies and series in general still. And I personally am a super fan, I'm a bit nerdy about it, but I would prefer radio plays over movies any day. Really? Yeah, and I've rarely watched movies nowadays. I think there are plenty of reasons why many Germans feel that way too. I would call radio plays in general a German speciality. Germany is the country where most of radio plays are produced and listened to worldwide. That's simple statistics. Around 500 mini-labels are on the independent radio play market in Germany, which is really a lot. And it's just part of our everyday culture. There are radio plays, series that every single German will know. You drop the name, they will know what you're speaking about. Hmm. We start being exposed to radio plays as children already. We have this series specifically produced for children. We grow up around it. We're not speaking about audiobooks here. It's really radio plays. But adults still love to listen to that medium. And there is a major comeback that has been going on for the past 10 to 15 years. So I ask you guys, do you still enjoy listening to radio plays as an adult? To this day, I like to listen to some radio plays to fall asleep. It works amazingly. Five minutes tops and I'm out. I can now appreciate all the traditional radio plays much more than I used to when I was a child. I don't listen to like children radio plays on Spotify myself, but I don't mind doing it with the daughter of my boyfriend because it's always quite some exciting story. It's a nice compromise for everyone in the car. Today, I don't listen to radio plays anymore. I think this is mainly because I never had this deep passion for radio plays. Although I loved stories, I'm more of a music person as I already said, so I prefer listening to music today, listening to these kind of stories. I think music is also a way of storytelling. I think as an adult I prefer a more abstract way of storytelling. Now as an adult I don't like listening to radio plays anymore so much. I don't really know why or where it got lost on the way if you're just more used to it as a child or maybe also because tapes were kind of the medium we had during our childhood. So maybe it was also connected to the medium itself, so to the cassette tape. Of course now you can listen to the radio plays on CDs, on Spotify and anywhere, but it's not so much my thing anymore. I tried it maybe sometimes while doing a puzzle or something. It's a good opportunity to listen to radio plays, but I always came to a point where I realized that I hadn't listened for the previous three minutes that I just got lost in my own thoughts maybe and I hadn't followed the story anymore so it doesn't really work for me nowadays anymore. There are still many occasions to listen to radio plays nowadays. Kids usually use it 
whilst they're playing or when they're with their friends. But still, adults use it for falling asleep because they grew up around it and it's just so reliable and relaxing and you're familiar with all these voices and the stories. But even on long car rides or train rides, gems love to listen to that stuff. And especially if there are kids in a family, the whole cycle starts again from the beginning and you can relive your own childhood again. It's really a major part of everyday culture, I would say. And that's what I also asked you guys. On what occasions did you listen to radio plays? What memories are connected to radio plays for you personally? I always listened to radio plays to go to sleep. They gave me a sense of calm. Until this day I like to listen to radio plays to fall asleep. When I was a kid my friends and me listened to radio plays when we played together. Sometimes we even reenacted what we heard and recorded it ourselves. Radio plays always made me feel calm and happy. It's distracting in a good way to listen to them. Generally, I would say radio plays had a positive connotation and I, I loved listening to them. And I was, you know, completely in my fantasy world, making my own story out of it. Yeah, I didn't like the other ones like Benjamin Blümchen or uh, Tekakaki. I really was only into Disney, basically. I can appreciate it now as an adult and how well it is done and how nicely it is done for children. It's huge. As far as I remember, most of the times I listened to the radio plays whilst playing. So I listened to them mostly alone, I think, when I was just drawing or playing on my own. And sometimes I would just listen and really actively listen. I remember having this typical child's radio player and tape recorder. So it was very colorful and I used to listen to the radio plays. But I remember that I also used it um, to record stuff. I remember finding tapes years later where I just talked about, I don't know, anything that was on my mind as a child and recorded it. I would listen to the three investigators pretty much whenever I get a chance. When school was out, hanging out with a friend who was also a big fan while playing video games, uh, whichever opportunity arose, I I'd love to listen to it and listen to the episodes over and over. I mainly listened to radio play series when I was alone in my room, when I was playing by myself or when When I was drawing or painting, it was just mainly like a background noise sometimes. Other times I was really listening to the stories, but just mostly to entertain me while I was doing something else. My main memories connected to radio plays are connected to the intro songs. I don't know why, but I was always more a music person. Yeah, I love to just listen to the intro, sing along, and then just listening to the rest of the play. Yeah, it's just my, my love for music and catchy melodies. It was just another opportunity to enjoy music. Carol, have you ever heard of the German radio play series so far? Does the name Die Drei Fragezeichen ring any bell? No, no, I can't say that it does. <laughs> Die Drei Fragezeichen is actually the most successful radio play series in Germany and at the same time in the world. It's interesting that only Germans seem to have heard about it, right? Yeah, 
Nowadays, there are even live events you can go to. They fill concert halls. 20 to 30,000 people come together to listen to a live radio play on stage. Well, yeah, they do it live. Noisemakers, sound designers, musicians, voice actors, and it's so much fun to watch. They're almost celebrated like rock stars, I would say. Cheering and screaming and... Mm. Yeah, and it's not kids, it's mostly adults, although these series are considered kids series. So you didn't know about the relevance of radio plays in Germany then? No, absolutely not. I didn't even uh, fathom that this sort of underground scene existed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it makes sense, as we mentioned before, now that we have so many professional voice actors. Yeah. So do you have a clear idea on what I mean when I say radio plays? Because we're not speaking about audiobooks here. I guess I think I have a basic understanding just based on old movies and TV shows in the US, but you know, not much beyond a surface level knowledge of that topic. The definition of a radio play I found online was that we're speaking about an acoustic dramatized staging of stories here with distributed speaking roles, noises and music. So we have noisemakers, sound designers, musicians, as I mentioned before. We have composers. Every series has a very distinct sound to it. There's an opening theme that most people are very familiar with. And where are these radio plays broadcast? Are they on regular radio stations? Would you listen to them in your car or at particular program times? They are actually not, no. That's an independent market. Mm -hmm. You buy it as a medium nowadays. In the beginning, radio plays were primarily produced for broadcast on radio. But nowadays, retail radio plays are specifically for sale on sound media. They are produced by music companies and audio publishers nowadays. So it has become its own market, independent from radio stations. Yeah, even the term audio publishing is foreign to me. So have radio plays ever been a thing for you as uh -huh. a child? No, not really. I did have some uh, old records, stories that were told with some sound effects involved. Uh-huh, but uh, that sounds like a radio play to me. Yeah, I guess it was, um, you know, but I only had one or two of those. I had a little child's record player with small records that we would listen to. Uh-huh, and was it a huge series or anything like that? Was it part of the series? No, it was just one or two small records that I had mm -hmm. that were given to me as gifts. But really, it was most of my record collection as a child was just children's music. Ah, oh, interesting, yeah. And were these radio plays based on Disney movies, for example, or children's movies you had seen on screen as well? No, they were more readings of children's books. They were kind of like audiobooks, except the different characters were read by different people with different voices, mm -hmm. with some a couple of sound effects mixed in. You were born in the late 70s, so you grew up in the 80s. Do you think that might have changed in the 90s for young children in the US? Oh, probably. As technology advanced, maybe more of these recordings were on cassette tapes. Uh-huh. Perhaps CDs. But see, that's still a thing I remember vividly from my childhood. The culture around cassette tapes. How you would put them in your little cassette player or when they ripped or, you know. <laughs> when the tape would get stuck in the recorder and you'd have to open it up and use a pencil to, to reel the tape back in so you could listen to it again. Oh, certainly. Everybody remembers that, I think. We grew up around that and I think it's a vivid memory all of us have of our childhood. So radio plays were a thing in the US in the early 20th century, right? Yeah, they definitely were. 
You know, you see if you do any sort of studying of motion pictures or the film industry, like for example, in New York, there's a museum of the moving image that I went to when I was in high school. I took a film course and it kind of leads you through the growth of the film industry from silent movies, you know, black and white movies into movies with sound. And of course, along with that is radio broadcast, which were another form of entertainment. So, you know, I'm aware of how, at least in the US, the radio programs turned into television programs. Sure. Yeah. You know, they essentially replaced them. The radio programs are on at a certain time of night, you know, where you see old movies and footage of families sitting around a radio mm -hmm. waiting for the program to come on, yeah. you know, following a story. And I guess, you know, in my view, it was television that kind of took the, the place of that. Mm -hmm. um, what I know is also that radio plays were originally developed for radio broadcasting only. So it was the first original art form that was radio produced in the 1920s. Yeah, you know, some of the most popular soap operas in the US, the longest running ones, started as radio broadcasts, started as radio shows. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so there are particular soap operas in the US that have been running for over 80 years now that have started as regular radio broadcasts. Interesting. Can you drop a name? Do you have one example? Uh, I believe General Hospital is one of them. Really? Yeah. Uh -huh. Wasn't there that story where they did a radio play about an alien landing thing and people freaked out because they took it seriously like it was on the news? Oh yeah, I have heard about that. I think uh, that happened in the 1930s and if I remember correctly it was Orson Welles had a radio show. It was Halloween evening I believe. He had a normal radio show that he made an announcement about it being something having something special for Halloween and And they did an adaptation of a book called The War of the Worlds that involved an alien landing. And the way that they produced it was it was a normal radio show, so they had regular music, and then they were interrupting it with these live news updates, which were of course fake. And they were first started off simple, and then they got more and more intense to the point that there was a live report from this farm in New Jersey where a spaceship had landed, like a cylinder or something. And then, oh, wow, uh, yeah. yeah. And then as it went on, I, I think. There were laser beams being shot and then the feed went dead and it caused quite a controversy, you know, in the way that it was it was delivered to the audience. They kind of portrayed the radio broadcast as a real one in the way that they mixed in the normal live music performances and interviews in with the fake news broadcast. Yeah. Uh, in that sense, it was a radio play, like a stage play. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> mm -hmm. Have you ever spoken to a person that has been there when that happened? <laughs> no, I haven't, but I do remember my mom speaking about it because I believe her parents had actually listened to it live. Uh -huh. Was it convincing to them? When I remember it being relayed is they weren't completely alarmed that aliens had actually landed, but I think it was a bit shocking as they were listening and they started thinking, is this real yes, or, yeah. or no? And, and then, of course, you know, quickly figured out it was fake. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I guess many of the listening audience didn't realize that. <laughs> but I imagine if something like that would be put on nowadays in the news on TV, you would sit there for a moment as well and think like, why? What is going on there? I don't think that would be good for <laughs> So the term radio play was used in 1924 for the first time because the first radio play was actually produced by the BBC in England. And by the early 1930s, radio plays were already popular on the radio. And in West Germany, the radio play experienced a real boom between 1945 and 1960 with 500 productions annually, I heard. Wow. And from the 1970s, they sold publications on records, cassettes, 
and CDs so they became more popular and most series that are still going, still super popular, started during that time, late 70s. So uh, I guess that by now they've shifted away from radio being broadcast at a particular program time. Yes, yeah. they have even moved to streaming platforms like Spotify, which might even open new doors. These plays weren't sold worldwide, they were just accessible in Germany. Yeah, yeah, now I guess since uh, all of our audio media seems to be available worldwide to anybody, perhaps even the growth of podcasts and digital music would support the growth of the auto audio play industry. Yes, and I would totally say that today radio plays are an integral part of the media landscape in Germany. Yeah. I couldn't think of a child growing up without radio plays. When we're thinking about radio plays from the 20s and 30s, it was usually criminal content and these old classics. Yeah, like crime dramas. Yes, yes. Yeah. Have you heard of any radio plays outside of that? Genre? Oh, well, I guess perhaps just the soap operas. True, you mentioned that, yes. Well, there are so many genres nowadays and there's something for everybody, basically. There's horror and science fiction, children's series, like fairy tales also, but you even get classical music education. I had lots of cassettes like that as a child, like Peter und der Wolf, for example, that's a classic. But you mentioned it already. I also think there's a comeback of the medium, internationally even. Podcasts are on the rise and audiobooks are accessible everywhere. Yeah, audiobooks, absolutely. You know, even I remember as a child going on vacation and we had a cassette player in the car, so we would go to the library and get an audiobook or several audiobooks for the long drive from New York down to North Carolina. And then they moved to CDs, so I could fit an entire audiobook, you know, and now that's, you don't even need to worry about that. That's super interesting that you mentioned that because that's what children also used to do here, go to the libraries and borrow their favorite episodes because there were so many, hundreds and hundreds of them. You couldn't possibly collect them all as a child. Some people yeah. are adults now, they're still collecting, you know? <laughs> <laughs> But the libraries offered these radio plays. That was a huge section for that only. If you go to toy stores nowadays, they shifted to new medium again, which is called the Tony Box. Radio plays are considered a literary genre on its own. Like you have writers and they have to know what it takes to produce a proper radio play series that's convincing and will reach the audience, especially since there are so many radio plays on the market already. No, that makes sense. I guess if you consider an audiobook is purely just a reading of a book and a television show or a movie is a broadcast in which actors are acting but you do have the moving images to watch, there must be an entire realm of writing and production that develops a conversational aspect with also maybe some sound effects but without the aid of visual cues. Yes. Absolutely. Of course, there were radio plays that were just the voice tracks or the soundtrack of entire movies yeah. taken off. And it doesn't work in the same way. No, I guess there certainly would have to be a creative aspect of designing the script, if you will, to describe the scenes yes. that you wouldn't necessarily see in a moving image. Yes. So why do you think is there a comeback? Why might audio media become more popular again? Uh, well, I guess perhaps just the way that digital audio has now become available to us in so many more ways. Mm -hmm. But maybe it's also the way we consume media nowadays because I know lots of people who say they don't really have the time or the energy 
to follow an entire series and take hours of their day out in the evening to sit on their couch and watch a series or a movie and it's so much easier to even keep up with your daily tasks and just have your headphones in and listen to your favorite podcast or radio play or whatever and you're still entertained and it's distracting you a bit but it doesn't take as much energy and attention from you. Yeah, sure. I mean, an example I'm thinking of is driving. That's when I listen yes. to most of my podcasts. Yes, and maybe that's also, that's maybe where the efficiency topic comes into play again that we spoke about in episode one. That would, <laughs> that certainly could explain why Germans are so, uh, <laughs> enjoy radio plays so much. I think there are many advantages. Of course, you have to use your imagination, but you can get a lot of other things done whilst listening. You can use it for relaxing, for meditating. It's a very mindful process to sit and to listen to a play and to just create these images in your own head and they make you feel a certain way. You like reading, but it doesn't take as much energy from you. Yeah, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. And for people learning a new language, I think it's a great way to expand vocabulary or gain new language skills. And I would even argue that German children who listen a lot to radio plays have a different style to speaking later on in life because they were exposed to very clean and classy German. Yeah, that's, yeah, that certainly makes a lot of sense as well. If children are exposed to that kind of media, maybe even more than to the TV screen, that might have a lifelong influence on them and maybe they have even a different take on voice acting and hearing voices or storytelling outside of the screen. Maybe it does even do something to your creativity or your imagination if you read a lot or listen to th these plays. Oh sure, I'd have to agree. I think we've all read articles on how reading books or listening to books helps intellectual development certainly much more than watching TV programs. I'm sure the, you know, the same benefits that you would get when they say that children whose parents read to them a lot it aids in their intellectual development. I'm sure audio plays, you know, could perhaps have the same effect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Many adults have problems really focusing on something and not getting sidetracked. Now, it takes a lot of mindfulness, in my opinion, to focus on a radio play. And I think that must be trained as well in some kind of way. And yeah, you know, I guess I do remember as a child, there was a record that we all seemed to listen to at least once or twice in school, and it was called uh, Peter and the Wolf. Peter und der Wolf, yeah. And the one that we listened to, it was, you know, an orchestra of music. You know, each character was represented by a particular instrument, mm -hmm. you know, the oboe. And I just remember in particular sitting around in kindergarten in a circle, you know, a bunch of children on the floor, you know, listening and then looking over at my friends and seeing how everyone was listening so intently, you know, like you're not watching anything, you're just thinking of this and imagining it. That's um, amazing, yeah. You know, it just causes you to kind of focus on just the music itself without any visual image. Uh -huh. So you really had musical education through a radio play or audio yeah, play exactly. at kindergarten. That's super interesting to me. Yeah. In Germany, there are many popular series for adults and children alike. And I would love to give you my list of the top series for adults and children. And I would like to start with some radio play series specifically for adults that I personally love. Let's just start with adult radio plays. 
it's in no specific order. I just love them all and I try to limit myself. But trust me, if you start listening to one, especially on Spotify, there will be a whole new world opening up to you. You will see so many suggestions. So there are numbers radio plays that I could have listed. So one series that I really love is Sherlock Holmes. And as you can imagine, there were tons of adaptations already. I love the one where Christian Rode and Peter Krueger play Sherlock and Watson. Their interplay is just wonderful. Unfortunately, both of them have died in 2018. I was really sad reading about that, but that series is timeless. It's so much fun. There's great chemistry. You really feel like you're in their living room and listening to their conversations, them teasing each other. It's just wonderful and so cute. And both of their voice acting is just on point. So Christian Rode is for sure one of my most favorite voice actors of all time. No doubt about that. Holmes, so geht das nicht weiter. Wenn Ihnen niemand beim Ordnen Ihrer Dinge helfen darf, dann müssen Sie es selbst tun. Und ich bestehe darauf, dass Sie jetzt sofort damit beginnen. Sonst ziehe ich auf der Stelle aus. Schon gut, Watson. Ich gebe ja zu, dass ich in letzter Zeit ein wenig nachlässig war. Ob schon ich die innere Ordnung in all diesen Dingen wahrzunehmen vermag, die Ihnen und Mrs. Hudson chaotisch erscheinen. Aber im Rahmen eines friedlichen Zusammenlebens ist es wohl eine berechtigte Forderung, auch ein wenig äußere Ordnung zu halten. Then there's a series that ended a bit unfortunate, I have to say. It is Edgar Allan Poe. That's its actual title. It's based on stories from Edgar Allan Poe, but a whole entire story on its own spins off from that. It must have been one of the most tragic, terrifying, dark and horrific audio plays I've ever listened to. And just when you think you can take a breath for a moment, something even worse happens and you just can't wrap your head around what's going on. And unfortunately, they ended the series because back when it was produced and published, Spotify wasn't a huge thing and people were just listening illegally, so they couldn't afford to continue producing the series, which is such a shame because I loved it. So if you're into dark stuff, that series is for you. Till Hagen plays Dr. Templeton, alias Baker. He is also the voice of Kevin Spacey and does a wide range of voiceovers in commercials, documentaries. Sie sind nun seit über einem Jahr in unserer Anstalt. Bewusstlos eingeliefert nach einem Unfall, Herkunft, Verhältnisse, ja nicht einmal der Name feststellbar. Ja. Und? Ich habe Ihre Akte gestern den ganzen Abend studiert. Körperlich sind Sie absolut gesund. Geistig? Nun ja, Ihr Gehirn funktioniert völlig normal. Nur, dass ich mich an nichts erinnern kann. Allerdings. Another one would be Van Dusen, Professor Dr. 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 Van Dusen. Did I say it right? It's kind of an old series, really, but it's 
so timeless, it's a classic, but there's a new one with new voice actors, the new cases of Van Dusen, which is also absolutely brilliant. Of course, I will mention everything in the captions below, so make sure to look there to really find all the titles and links. So in the new series, Hutchinson Hatch is played by Nikolai Tegeler. Aber Professor, das verspricht vielleicht einen interessanten Fall. Ein Haus, in dem es umhergeistert. Aber natürlich, Sie sind Professor Dr. 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 Augustus van Dusen, der weltberühmte Wissenschaftler. Sie schmeicheln mir, wenn auch nicht zu Unrecht. Doch im Grunde bin ich ein bescheidener Mensch. Tja, wenn Sie das sagen, Professor. And I must say, one of my absolute favorites must be Kosel-Kabinett. You can see I'm really into the psycho and horror genre when it comes to that and the gothic kind of literature. And Kosel-Kabinett is just a take on classic literature from the late 19th and early 20th century. But they've also expanded their range a bit. In my opinion, these are the best of the best voice actors casted great stories great music great ambience it's just mind-blowing to listen to these stories and if you love these classic stories like phantom of the opera or vampire stories just go on spotify look at all the episodes they have it must be 180 by now something like that you'll find something that's for you trust me and of course i also like to listen to radio productions still and there are still radio productions and you can find lots of them on YouTube as well they're all accessible now these would be my top five suggestions to begin with moving on to children's audio plays keep in mind different series are for different age groups as well so there are productions that are really for the youngest of the youngest and the language is easy but I would say it's It's never primitive. It can be more naive, but then again, there are series for teenagers that are more challenging also, a bit spooky even, a bit more action-driven. The first one will have to be Die Drei Fragezeichen, the three investigators, the three question marks to be exact. It is the most popular radio play series in Germany. Fun fact, the same voice actors that played the three boys back in the 70s are still the same voices today for the series. So they've been doing that job for more than 40 years. Can you imagine? And people are very forgiving with that. They just love them. Everybody knows their voices. So Die Drei Fragezeichen is really fun, especially if you're from the US, I would say, because it gives you an impression of what Germans thought the US was like in the 70s and 80s and it's a bit like series is still there but the fun part is they created little Germany in the US the story is placed in Los Angeles and these are three boys nobody knows exactly how old they are but they must be 16 because they're already driving and they're still going to school but they have their detective's office and they're solving crimes 
and mysteries is oftentimes a very supernatural thing but then it turns out to be an act of some kind so it's exciting for young people to listen to that. Of course all three of them have very different characters and it's really just the interplay between those three boys who are very different from each other and oh there's so many inside jokes and if you've been following the series since the 70s you'll notice all the small details that they implement and it's just so cute and lovely it gives you a very homey feel and the music is super distinct of course the composers have changed over the years but still you'll know when you're listening to Die Drei Fragezeichen the main voice actors would be Oliver Rohrbeck who plays Ben Stiller for example Andreas Fröhlich who is the voice of Edward Norton as well and I love Andreas Fröhlich's voice I could listen to him for hours and hours and days and weeks in a row <laughs> I don't mind he reads a lot of audiobooks as well so if you enjoy his voice you'll be happy and oh the last name is a challenge still Jens Jack. I pronounce it English. Please be forgiving with me. <laughs> It's just my suggestion to you. Even if you're an adult and you're trying to find something really authentic that feels like real life and real life conversations and people being a bit cheeky and teasing with each other, you'll find a lot of that in that series. And the language is not primitive at all. So you will learn a whole lot and it will do your German good. Also Kollegen, ihr habt's gehört, es gibt Arbeit. Und ich habe auch schon einen Plan. Ja klar hast du einen Plan. Ich habe nämlich auch ein Ferienmachen. Mein Programm steht auch schon fest. Ja. Ich habe nichts gegen eure Pläne. Aber ihr werdet sie sicher um ein paar Tage aufschieben müssen. Was? Ihr wollt doch wohl nicht, dass Lys vor ihrer alten Schauspiellehrerin als Aufschneiderin dasteht, oder? Naja. The next children's series that has major popularity would be TKKG. TKKG. It's basically for kids doing the very same stuff, solving crimes, but it's more focused on little towns, crimes. It's placed in Germany, so it's a lot of German culture in it as well. What I find impressive, and I really want to point that out, is there's basically a whole family of voice actors, which is the Dreger family. So there's Wolfgang Dreger, who has played the police inspector in the TKKG series for so many years. And his son, Sascha Dreger, is actually the head of the detective team. Die Drogenabhängigen nehmen das in Kauf? Na, Sie wissen es, Tim. Denk an die Zahl der Drogentoten. Das, das sagt alles, wisst ihr? So yeah, that's father and son. And there's Kerstin, which is also Wolfgang Dreger's daughter. And she can be heard in various other audio plays as well. She has a great voice. She's playing the girlfriend of Justus Jonas from Die Drei Fragezeichen. Ich habe neue Informationen über Amanda. Die Ärmste steckt bis zum Hals in Schulden. Und woher weißt du das? Ich habe mit Freunden gesprochen, mit Kollegen aus Hollywood. Die Namen werden dir nichts sagen. And TKKG, I have to point that out as well, has been criticized a lot for being not up to date when it comes to political correctness. It is very much still in the 80s and sometimes you really wonder why they use certain words. I think nowadays they take great care of the language that's been used. 
So the third suggestion would be Fünf Freunde. I think it's based on an English series. It's The Famous Five by Annette Blyton. It's also an investigation team and they try to serve justice and what's really annoying about that series <laughs> I hope I'm not waking the dead here but if you start focusing on the barking dog you'll start noticing that it's the same bark used over and over again and it drives you crazy at some point but I still really love that series as a child moving on to some suggestions for the youngest ones which would be Bibi Blocksberg or Bibi und Tina. It's basically a little girl living in Germany and her mom is a witch. She is a witch herself and her dad is not. He is just a normal human being and he's also quite conservative and a bit clumsy and uptight. The little witch is really trying to find out what's right to do in life. She's really trying to balance her powers. Of course, she can get lots of advantage by using magic, but then she finds out it's unfair. So her actual power lies in using that magic for greater good. She's on the journey of learning about morals, basically. And Bibi and Tina is a spin-off of that. It's when Bibi goes on vacation, visiting her best friend, which is Tina, and she lives on a farm. So they go horse riding all of the time. It is widely popular amongst girls. I think every little girl listens to these series. And it has been a thing long before Henry Potter came around. So <laughs> we have that reference for magic as well in Germany. And Bibi's voice is very distinct. Susanna Bonasevich. She also plays Friend Drescher from The Nanny, the TV series. So if you've seen The Nanny, you know she has that loud and sometimes even annoying voice. And it's similar with Bibi. And there's also Dorette Hugo, Tina. And she also plays Ariel from The Little Mermaid, for example, in case you haven't noticed yet. Mensch, das dürfen wir nicht. Wenn das Tor offen ist, darf man. Warum ist es sonst offen? Hü, Sabrina. Achtung, Bibi. Sabrina, steig. Ja, ja, hoffe ich schon. And the last series I want to suggest to you is Benjamin Blümchen. It's for the smallest. I would say from years three to five, probably. Super naive and Benjamin Blümchen is an elephant and he's living with his human friends and he's doing all these jobs and trying to protect everybody and serve justice, help out where he can. You know, he sees, oh, the world is not just fair. There are people who do unfair stuff, but in the end he manages to really serve justice and really awaken their good hearts. It's a cute little series and it's also been produced as a TV series. You'll find Benjamin Blümchen movies in the cinemas. I bet you every German who's grown up from the 70s until now is familiar with Benjamin Blümchen. It's a proper hippie series as well. I asked you guys. Which radio play series did you love to listen to as a child and why? Would you introduce your own kids to radio plays nowadays? 
my favorite Ready Play series was probably Bibi Blocksberg. I liked her the most because she as a character was funny and interesting and I also liked the magic. I liked the thought of being able to just use it and also being able to fly. I always loved the thought of being able to fly to school or wherever I want to. When I was growing up, I'd love to listen to the three investigators, die drei Fragezeichen. There was a time in my life when I bought every single new episode that was released. Uh, I still listen to them to this day. Uh, I think they're great. They show give us a glimpse into German culture and it, it's just relaxing to, to listen to. Up to the age of eight or nine, I loved to listen to Bibi Blocksberg and Benjamin Blümchen. Bibi was about a little witch and Benjamin was about a huge elephant living in a zoo. When I got older, I always listened to TKKG and Die Drei Fragezeichen, both radio play series about kid detectives solving crimes. I must admit that I wasn't too much into radio plays when I was a child. I was rather a Disney kid. We played either Aladdin or Ariel on cassette while a car ride and when we were traveling. And I knew everything by heart. I got more into radio plays with the daughter of my boyfriend. She loves Bibi Blocksberg and also the newer ones with the uh, Drei Ausrufezeichen, which is like the Drei Fragezeichen with girls. It's quite exciting and also catchy. I, I really love it how it is done. One favorite radio play series of mine certainly was Benjamin Blümchen. I think it's a classic. I think almost every child used to listen to Benjamin Blümchen on tape. Yeah, I think it's a classic for my generation and something you could relate to even at a later age, maybe even now. I think um, I also know some people who still listen to it. And I, I think it really is something you should continue listening to with your own children or with other children so um, I think this is something that should stay in popular culture and should stay a beloved radio play series because it's just such a classic. And I also like tapes based on children's books from Ottfried Preußler like Die kleine Hexe and Der kleine Wassermann. I think I also had those on tape. I would totally introduce my kids to radio plays because I think it's just a great possibility to enjoy stories, build great creativity and yeah maybe also learn things i think radio plays are also a lot about friendship and relationships positive role models for a child yeah i think it's also just a nice occupation for children a different media besides all the other electronic media that we have today I would love to introduce my children to the three investigators. I think it's a, a nice way to learn the language, to learn a little bit about German culture, especially since my kids would be growing up speaking English. So absolutely, yes, sir. I think that would be great to, to share it with the children. Yeah, I definitely would introduce my own children to radio plays or audiobooks and everything that is made without a picture, especially during a time where maybe reading is still a bit difficult for them. I have good experience with using it to sleep or also to play during a car ride so it doesn't get so boring and everyone can listen to it and has their own story in their head. It's quite beautiful. 
If I had a child, I would definitely introduce it to radio plays. Maybe not TKKG, because some of the older episodes are a bit racist and offensive, but Bibi and Benjamin and Die Drei Fragezeichen kids are definitely safe to listen to. I think listening to radio plays has a positive effect on the imagination um, of children. Some honorable mentions. I found these voices in series like Kuse Kabinett and Chiselov them. The first team would be Herbert Schäfer and Janina Sachau. Mit Sergeant Daw haben Sie einen sehr fähigen Polizeibeamten vor Ort. Sagen Sie mir alles, was sich hier heute Nacht zugetragen hat, Miss Margaret. Bitte lassen Sie keine Einzelheiten aus. Gut. Man hat heute Nacht versucht, meinen Vater zu ermorden. Gottlob ist er mit dem Leben davongekommen, aber. Leider immer noch ohne Bewusstsein. Ich habe niemanden, auf den ich mich verlassen kann. I also loved his voice. It's Louis Wiedemann-Thiele. Was ist hier so? Jedes Mal, wenn das Lehr- und Prüfungsjahr endet, dann muss einer von uns sterben. Der Meister kann dadurch ein weiteres Jahr leben. And lastly, this is Stefan Krause. Ich habe mich Zeit meines Lebens an der Oberfläche des Fantastischen und Merkwürdigen aufgehalten. Aber mit Hilfe dieser Bücher bin ich nun endlich imstande, mich kopfüber in die Welt der Runen und Rätsel zu stürzen, die uns eine legendäre Vergangenheit zur Belehrung oder Verwirrung hinterlassen hat. So Harold, why do you think many foreigners living in Germany are completely unaware of such a major cultural thing? How is that even possible? Uh, I guess I would say it's because there's no parallel to uh, to our own culture. When you move to into a new culture, you look for things that are similar. Oh, you know, movies are this way, TV shows are produced this way, and since there is no reciprocal type of media in the US, at least for me, that's why I'm surprised to see that there's this whole separate genre. Mm-hmm. Over here. Even German adults <laughs> who use radio plays on a daily basis to fall asleep or to drive to work, how come it is never a focal point in any conversation? <laughs> I don't know. Perhaps it's just something that Germans consider normal and not a topic of, of real conversation. <laughs> I actually, I would agree there. I think Germans do not really know how unique it is. I totally agree. Yeah. It's certainly unique only to Germany and not in the US and any of the other places that I've lived around the world have I been aware of any sort of industry. Mm-hmm. But it's a bit of a missed opportunity, I think, especially for learning German. Would you consider to listen to radio plays or watch dubbed movies in the future for learning German or other purposes? Well, sure, absolutely. I'd say that for both of those, you know, anytime you're listening or watching, for example, anything that's in a foreign language that's interesting to you, your interest alone is going to keep you just more involved and engaged and cause a desire to learn that language yes. <laughs> to a greater depth, of course. And of course, dub media, yeah. I mean, I think it's if it's a movie that you've seen already and you kind of know what to expect and know what they're going to say, then it kind of helps you earlier in the process of learning the German words and phrases, of course, that would apply then to those familiar situations. Yeah, absolutely. I think we had an amazing and very interesting conversation and it was really important to me to make an episode about that entire topic because I think it's almost overlooked sometimes. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree, and I enjoyed it very much. It was lovely having you on. It was a great pleasure. Thank you for having me as a guest. I really hope we can do that sometime in the future. I'm very much looking forward to that. The last thing I would like to ask you is for a song for the playlist, Hitting the Pritch Tunes. 
guys. It's on Spotify, so check that out. Uh, well, for me, I think uh, the song I'd like to add to the playlist, it would have to be inspired by the Halloween party and something that I would hear, you know, in non-pandemic times at Folks Fest gives me great memories of uh, the Grandel's tent would be Disco Pogo by uh, Diatsen. That is a very interesting choice, but yeah, it makes total sense. Of course, no party without such songs in Germany. I am inspired by the party as well and would like to put on Deichkind with Remy Demi, Yippie Yippie, German classic, party classic. So that's it for today's episode. I hope you found it interesting. As always, I'm really curious to hear your opinions about this episode, about the topic itself. Please check out the Instagram page for Hitting the Bridge. Leave a comment, see what we post there because there will be some extra content. Stay updated and give us a follow. We'll be back in a while. So thank you and bye-bye. Thank <laughs> you.